Welcome back. It is part two of the episode with Marco Erickson from Idaho, and we are going to dive in more. We're going to talk about some youth conferences, some strategic planning that keeps their leaders in the program, uh, and honestly, just a bunch. We run the gamut on this episode, so I hope you enjoy this episode of Party Talk. Okay, so just to recap so far, we've talked, don't do this alone. You need at least one other person with you. So it's sustainable, can live on. Uh, another thing is if you can find somebody who is a lobbyist or in that field to help you out, uh, that that's a super great tool. Let the students lead, you know, parent guided or adult guided, student led. And then we've got some some strategies around, I guess, yeah, I don't know what I would put in that cap of what we just talked about, but <laughs> that the numbers that you track could be as advanced as tracking the ROI. And that is going to be really important for the legislators who are funding you because they want to see that their money is being returned uh, in a way or it's saving the country money. Is there yeah, what you're saying is sustainability. And that's really the key is we need data to prove that why we want to be sustainable. And in order to get the funding, when you're showing that it's, a, it's creating a return on investment, you're more likely to have a sustainable project because you're going to get funding sources that are going to support your work in a bigger way. Donations from foundations, you know, you pull the heartstrings, telling stories. We've got stories. And I could tell you, this is something big. And we have a lot of kids come to our program. And when they come in, their families are like feeling like they have nothing else. And they're, they're suicidal. They're actively been in hospitals. And we have not lost one kid yet. We're very proud of that have a really good team of people who've spent a lot of time and uh we yeah we were proud we have not lost one child in fact we've saved you know that a lot of them from having to go into the hospitals during their time with us and that's that's not what our goal and objective was but because of what we create in the environment we're, we're having a side effect from kids not wanting to die by so in that whole concept we talked about at the beginning see you later i need you tomorrow it works and, and they they don't want to disappoint us. They want to be there tomorrow. They want to show up. They want to be a part. And that's how I know I'm not going to lose the kid. Because when I say, hey, I'll see you tomorrow, I say, yep, see you tomorrow. And they're not going to go home and and, and die. You know, So wow. it's, pretty it's pretty impressive what could be done. <laughs> yeah, it's so simple yet so impactful. It's just that that little thing that you have embedded and maybe it wasn't you, but your organization, your team, like is embedded into the, into the image, the brand, like whatever you want to call it, your mission, that simple see you later and it's profound effect. And I'm sure it's accompanied by everything else that you're doing as well to support these students. That is, that's incredible that they're coming in with that high of crisis and you've not lost one person. Praise God. That's, that is such good work. We're lucky to have you. And this is what I tell you, you got to tell those stories, those narratives like that. And that's just one. We've got story after story after story of the individual kids and the impact it's had. Their parents will tell you these stories. And I I can tell those stories whenever people ask about it. I love talking about this kid that you know has anxiety and they come in and this is very common. And they're sitting in the corner and they're really shy. They don't want to be. And then when you see that same kid six months later, they're leading programs. And they're on stage and they're not afraid anymore, you know, and they're struggling at home with 
personal things that we don't get to control. We can control the environment we're in. I worry, and we have to keep that up in our mind. Remember that always. Like I can't control their home lives, and I can't take on their burden. But I should control what I have that time, and I can build that kid up and give them the most skills. And boy, oh boy, it, it's fun to watch. I love taking kids that were middle schoolers and caused a lot of trouble in middle school back to their old schools and show their principals and their teachers, like, look at them now. <laughs> They're amazing leaders. They're changing the world. Isn't that cool? <laughs> wow. That's so important to hear that you can't you can't change what they what happens at home. It's out of your control, but you can can you can contribute to what they experience when they're in your presence and how you pour into them. That's such a good message. Cause they yeah, sometimes they come into your care and it's really messed up and it's really scary. Uh, and you can't control it but you can start there with them, be there with them and help bring them along, build skills, speak into their life, tell them what they're great at, help them practice different things that give them confidence and value and meaning. And like you're seeing life change because of it. Yeah, I mean, and I, I share that message a lot because I've had kids come in to my program who are, you know, I, they'll, you'll sometimes ask, well, your parents do for a job. My job doesn't work. Oh, but paying bills, how's that? And then, you know, it shortly comes out through the discussion. Well, is he a drug dealer? Yeah. And, they, you know, you can kind of sometimes tell. He's like, how'd you know? <laughs> and then we're like, well, let's have a conversation about how that's affected you. And, and, you know, and, and then you just kind of build rapport. Relationships, that's another big key. Relationships in the community and with the individual kids is what the research always tells us. If, if they care about you and they know you care about them, they're likely to perform in that way. At school, academically, and in the way we want for drug And that's really what we spend a lot of energy on is really truly knowing who that person is so that they, they, they don't just look at you and go, oh, you don't care about me. And you, you got, you know, and, and to solve problems with them, we focus first on knowing their value set and who they are as a person. You know, when kids report that someone has bullied me, uh, bullied them, and they want me to intervene. I'll bring a kid in my office and we'll sit down and we'll just, I'll just get to know him. Hey, tell me about this. And then I'll flip that bullying message in to without having to say, Hey, I heard you did this. And, and then, then their, their internal plot thing starts ticking and they go, Oh, maybe I need to do it a little better at that. And, and then over time we teach classes and we pair it with other interventions and they're all kinder to each other too. So, and that's something we also emphasize at our center is, this inclusive atmosphere. We have a very diverse group of people. You can imagine with teens today, you know, we have a girl who walks in here and she's wearing cat ears and stuff, and we treat them all in kindness. You know, we put our personal beliefs aside and focus on the person and the individual. That's how we get outcomes because you, human care, caring about human beings is universal. We can all do that. So, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of judgment out there. They don't need to have that when they're in this space. And that's what we can. Yeah. It's to try to implement that philosophy. And then we have a whole team of teenagers who are dedicated to just that connections team. And their job is to make people feel included. We don't ever let someone sit alone. And then we make sure we find a way to engage them, at least try to engage them. So if they did, if the first person didn't work, a third, second, fourth, fifth, everybody's eventually talking to you. 
can you can't help but engage with somebody, right? <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. So you, that's really a cool idea. I love that. There's a connections team. And so their role is to make sure that people feel seen and, and heard when they come in. Maybe they're new. They're sitting by themselves. Like maybe there's six or seven students that have been decided I'm going to serve this role. And so they'll take turns going to sit with them or get to know them, probably introduce them to other people. Yeah, they'll invite them and engage them in activities too. Like if they're playing a game, they'll say, hey, come join us. And and if not, they might have one person sit with them. And they purposely do team building exercises that are meant to get people, you know, to to understand and build themselves to, as together as a group. So it's kind of when a, we do these leadership conferences. And after the leadership conference, we'll have 80 new teenagers all in our space all at once. And they've just done this crazy bonding week, you know, and, all and then some new kid would come in and she'll like, they're all talking about it. And they're kind of like on the outside and it feels weird, you know, that right. had this experience. And so they, they, they have to find ways to make sure they all feel included and connected, even though they're, and then in a few months, and they're looking forward to getting the opportunity to go to that conference the next year. So they don't feel like they're not a part of the group, but. I've seen that happen many times because they're so bonded, you know, they're like a giant family and we've got 80, 90 kids. <laughs> they're all there. We just had this available thing together. Yeah. Well, and that will stifle the growth of your group if it feels like it's just a click and it's not open. So I love that idea. I hope people listening take that and, and use it in their community that you can build a connections team because as you want to emphasize in your culture, the inclusivity and welcoming in new people, which has to happen to grow. <laughs> so like, it, that's just such a cool practical way. Let's put that as a leadership opportunity for, for a group of students. And I wanna ask you about your, so leadership, you said camp or leadership conference. What does that look like? Yeah, we call it teens rising about peer pressure every day. And it's been a, the, you know, the teen center and all the things we do has been a great thing as a dad. Uh, my wife and I, we have five kids and we've been able to, like my teens, my own kids have grown up in the prevented space and leadership. And they're, they're like, they've gone to these events since they are two and three years old. I think that is last summer, I got to have one uh, where four of my teammates, my kids were all involved. I couldn't believe it. my 20 year old son and my 14, down to my 14 year old daughter and the baby, he's, he turned nine. Today's his birthday surprise, but <laughs> he's nine today. And he, he's the youngest and he couldn't go because he's not a teenager, but having four of them there was such a moment for me. I'm like, whoa, it's second generation of people doing this work. And they're my kids and they've been growing up and they're so much more knowledgeable than I am. They, my my 18-year-old son has uh, the experience of probably a bachelor's degree right now, uh, where I would have been when I was 23, 24 years old with education because of all these types of events. So what we do is we host them at every year and we'll do a statewide one. Now it's called Idaho Drug for Youth and our local one called Trap Sober. Teens rising above peer pressure every day. And we bring them together in a conference space and uh, we just bombard them all week with lots of fun. Uh, we do ropes course things and we do a lot of prevention messages. So we make sure there's we bring in law enforcement. We do we've done probation simulations. We we want them to experience the world of what it's like, um, choosing the right choice or a healthy choice 
or choosing this other option. And, and a lot of them, some of them have already made those decisions and they have the opportunity to change their path, you know, and they, they just get a lot of information that lets them see um, and see the fun and joy bringing a healthy lifestyle. And uh, so it's, there's not preaching. It's really about educating. We try not to tell them, don't do this, don't do that. We tell them these are things that you can choose in life. Here's the consequences natural and Adam induced by courts that you get do illegal things, right? So there's, um, so we teach them all the laws. Uh, so that's why law enforcement comes in. We have really great marijuana panels talking about the national trends and why we're different in Idaho. Idaho, believe it or not, is one of the few states that still has uh, no marijuana laws uh, related to legalization. And that gets, yeah. and there's a lot of people that don't like that and argue with it. Well, as I'm in the legislature, I've, I've dedicated to continue to block those efforts because of the harm it does to the families and kids. We've been very successful in Idaho and our economy stronger because of that. So, yeah. Yeah. And I could talk for hours about those <laughs> training camps, but I can tell you, they're, oh, that's they're cool. a great way to build your base. And every single year, the reason we do it annually, those kids graduate and move on or around 10th grade, they get jobs and their priorities start to shift a little. Some kids will stay with us from sixth grade through 12th grade, right? But most of them, you know, sixth grade through about 10th grade, I mean, you, you're constantly rebuilding your base on the back end. And it's important to have a mixture of those teams of different ages so that you're letting them and your new generation can come up. And th those kids will say to me, I'm only in sixth grade. Can I be a leader? Can I get on stage? I says, absolutely. We have this training. You got to do this. And then we ask you to do a few more trainings in our center. And then boom, you're ready for it. And they and they work towards that goal because they see those older kids and they're like, I want to be that cool. <laughs> Whoa. That, see, that's such an incredible model. And it serves its purpose of bringing new people in every single year. So you do that. Is the invite coming from like you're inviting all the schools? as well as the teens who are coming into your center or yeah. your invites for that. Yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, we usually do it. What's smart is strategically we'll wait when, when the school's on a break for three or four days. So we're not pulling kids out of school. That's what we try to do. The, we've been blessed to have the schools actually see the value in what we do. So they'll excuse kids from absences, uh, because, cause it's like having a, it's three days or four days of, you know, we end on Saturday. And we always bring in all the parents at the end. That's another way. You want to engage parents? You have their kid involved in a program and at the end have a big, big show so that you could showcase what they did at the camp. And the kids, the parents all show up. So I'll have an audience of 200 parents. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, this is where I can spread my prevention message and I can really take that soon. Well. So I'll, I piggyback onto our event with my community things that I need to do too. So it's really a great way. But the school support it. And if you do your event when they're out of school for those three or four days and you plan ahead, schools make referrals. You go talk to them. School counselors will tell you which kids need it. We like to blend it with kids uh, that need it and also kids that are really super strong leaders. So then it, it just helps having a blend. I mean, yeah. I can imagine why um, we've had years where it was all just probation kids. And it works both ways. Yeah. Either way, it, the program works. I like yeah. to blend it and have a mixture there and stuff so they can see each other's perspective. And, and surprisingly, some of these kids who have never had trauma in their life, they'll go to these events 
and they'll learn to appreciate their own families better because they'll see things they've never seen. And that's very useful for them. And they've told me that as well. Um, so that, that, that's always an impressive side when you mix with kids who are really come from strong based families. Wow. Oh my gosh. Okay. So we've got like five minutes do is just to kind of end things because you're such a wealth of knowledge. <laughs> Let's use these five minutes, man. I want to see what happens when you do it. Plus years, you guess. Right. <laughs> this is 30 years in the making, this interview right here. Um, <laughs> is there any other pieces of advice um, specifically? I want to ask about building that youth presence and maybe it's something on how to develop relationships with the schools how to uh, invite students to be a part of your group effectively. Do you have any advice on that to finish off? Well, it goes back to what I said before. If you have relationships with people, you start with your base, the people that you have access to, and then you send invites, and then they invite their friends, and they invite their friends, and the more people that are empowered, you can do it all without any advertising. You just have to be willing to get out there. And if you can get connected with schools, that's a really great space to be in. Our program could, you know, what we do, our model could work by just having a teacher and, and some advisors in a school and we just do the similar thing. The difference is that after school time, and that's what we're feeling is that we have three hours or so with kids. We make sure we transport them to that. That's taken some time to build those. Um, we had originally, there were bus systems that would just bus kids to our program. But when we moved buildings, the buses didn't go by us anymore. So we made sure we got some vans and the ability to transport kids to school from school over to us if needed, um, and then also home so that the parents didn't have to worry about. It. So that was a big deal in that after school space. So make sure because transportation is a huge issue in our region. There's not a lot of public transportation, so you have to get people to places. <laughs> okay, that's good. So it sounds like the logist, like figure out the logistics. And that's an issue that you have to overcome because that could be a barrier for a student to attend and be a part of the program. Yeah, we try to remove all barriers. So if they want to be here, we're going to make it happen. Yes. By the way. Oh, that's so good. And the other thing that you said was just to, and I love what the way you said it is like you focus on the students or the contacts you have now, let them spread the program because I've, I think that's so, so true. Oftentimes we think I have to blast out this message to thousands of people. But when you do that, you like with that kind of quick in-personal message, it doesn't really grab anybody. But if well, you also feel deflated when that, when all you, you know, sit out to a thousand people and only 20 show up. Right. You're like, why did I do this? Yeah. But if you can pour into some of your students or your relationships now, and they can get the idea, then it it creates this ripple effect where you've duplicated yourself. It's not all on you anymore. And it helps with kind of going full circle to what you said in the beginning is you want to have another partner, somebody in this together. So you're creating partners by investing in them. They know you care and then they can speak to the movement that you're building even when you're not around. And so you're going to spread faster. And you just say to the kids, who else would like who else do you think in your circle of influence would be, it would like this? And what really is cool is what happens, you know, I told you about how we train 80 or so kids at those events and our big state, 150, 200 a year. Think of how many, each one of those kids go back home and impact and they have an influence circle. 
and they tell about things and then they work and they and they share the new information they have on substance abuse. So we can't even measure that, but we know there's, <laughs> I mean, each one of those kids, if they impact two or three others, our, you, you just made it grow bigger. And so that's how a lot of our referrals come from kids who come and their friends and, they, and their teachers go, wow, that impacted the student. And they'll know some new students in the community just talks about it. <laughs> wow. Well, Marco, thank you so much for chatting with me about this. This was incredible. <laughs> we covered the gamut of time. Yeah, we did. Well, <laughs> you need anything else, feel free to reach out anytime. All right. Thank you so much, Marco. I appreciate it. Thanks. Have a great day. All right. Talk to you later. Yeah. There you have it. Dang, that was just filled with value. I loved talking with Marco. I hope you loved listening. So once again, if you appreciate this podcast, the way to say thank you is to leave us a review and to share with a friend. We will see you on the next episode of Party Talk coming up Monday.